It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, first Sunday of the month. 1st of May, we like to give a shout out to our podcast peeps around the world. Reminder, on a Sunday when we gather here, everything we see isn't everything that there is. Two things, right now, our online experience is happening and some of our people aren't straight out of ISO, they're currently in ISO, and we've got people around the city, around the world joining there, which is fantastic. We also have our messages every week we publish on our podcast, and uh, We're approaching 80,000 downloads there, which is an exciting milestone. Looking forward to six figures, not too far into our future. Um, Luz, you'll be happy to know that the Philippines has re-entered the top 10 last month, the month of April. So viva the Philippines, welcome back to the top 10. Where have you been? Um, And Singapore has bumped back up to number five in the top 10. And here's the thing, despite Despite how I look in real life, I actually listen to Singapore radio every single morning. The Mutton's in the Morning on Class 95 FM, highly recommend it. And uh, for those of you in Singapore, thanks to the Muttons, I know how to say, steady la. And I also know how to say, it's shook, which I think means cool. Who knows? Singlish isn't a language all to itself. But hey, how about we give our podcast people a great welcome from wherever you're joining us. This is week two of our series called The Joy Factor. All right. Question, those of you who are parents, how many of you have been through the Happy Meal phase? Is anyone coming at the other side of the Happy Meal phase? Okay, yeah, good, the Pelican. Any, okay, well, see, don't get, ahead, don't get over the skis here now. How many of you are still in the Happy Meal phase? Great, all right, we'll pray for you later on. I get it. We've just come through the Happy Meal phase with our nephew. He's seven years old, and uh, anytime he would see the golden arches, we would expect that the request is about to come in. Can I get a Happy Meal? Can I get a Happy Meal? And look, it didn't matter what time of day, day of the week, can I get a Happy Meal? And here's the thing, he may have just eaten. We might be on the way to his uh, grandparents, my in-laws, Italians, there's food there like a lot, and no, can I get a happy meal? And sometimes we like, you know, kids don't make the rules, so sometimes it's like, no, you can't get a happy meal. Well, that's called trigger for tears. The tears would start flowing, and the only antidote to that trigger is to relent and pull in and get a happy meal, which would make him happy, and his stopping crying would make us happy. So it became the best $4.95 we could ever spend until the unpackaging, which hung, happiness hung on a knife's edge based on whether or not he liked the toy. Because you don't get to choose the toy, right? Happy, hmm. We use this word happy a lot. By the way, I think it's pretty Bolden of the Golden Arches to actually name the product with the promise at the end. It's like, that's some serious confidence right there. Like, we're not gonna call it the hopefully happy meal. No, we're just going straight there. We're going there. We're McDonald's. We make the rules. We use the word happy a lot. Happy birthday, happy new year, happy anniversary, happy hour. 
If you're in a bad mood, people will tell you you're not a happy camper and that you need to go to your happy place. And if you go to your happy place, hopefully after a period of time in your happy place, you'll start to don't worry, be happy. We use the word happy a lot. Will Smith recently was quite slap happy. There's even a company who tells you that they have theme parks that are in fact the happiest place on earth. And I've been to several of said company's theme parks and I've endured endless lines. I've endured scorching, blazing hot temperatures mixed in with a healthy dose of humidity. And I've endured exorbitant prices. And I have left said theme parks on my hands and knees, crawling out of there in a bedraggled state and I am convincing my, I'm gaslighting myself based on what I've just endured and survived, that man, that must be the happiest place on earth. The word happiness, um, if you weren't aware, actually is derived from the word happenstance, which as the kind of word suggests, it's kind of this idea of happiness and circumstances mixed in together, that, that the notion of happiness very much is tethered to circumstances, tethered to feelings, tethered to our experiences. When things are good, we're happy. When things are not so good, we're less happy. Get the right happy meal toy, sure, you're happy. Ace your exam, sure, you're happy. Have enough money in your bank account to pay for the petrol you've just pumped, you're happy. We like that. One of the top trending hashtags over the last decade is hashtag blessed. New shoe day, photo, ka-ching, hashtag blessed. Vacay with bay, two of us, ka-ching. Beach in the background, humble brag, hashtag blessed. Nothing wrong with these. But Jesus taught a whole slice about being blessed. <clears throat> and he didn't dunk on you going on a vacay with Bay. However, what he taught, much of it, about being blessed, much of it is not only not tethered to our circumstances, sometimes it's actually in spite of our circumstances. That there's a whole different perspective, there's a whole different level, there's a whole different layer. And the slice that we're teaching on through this series is called the Beatitudes, which by the way, has been nicknamed the Be Happy Attitudes. These clues, he taught, he taught nine clues, nine circumstances, nine perspectives that if we can get them right in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, that we can actually experience joy that's not tethered to our circumstances, that it almost kind of supersedes our circumstances. Now, the word blessed when Jesus taught it in this setting is defined this way, we dropped this last week, the state of being singularly favoured by God, meaning you, 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 you can, oh, we're blessed, no, but you are blessed. Like God wants to actually bless you. It's a reminder that God doesn't just love you, He actually likes you. He actually wants to do good things for you. He actually wants to see you uh, succeed. You know, success is a Bible word, by the way. Look it up. It's in there. Oh, well, success, that's just a worldly cross. Really? You don't think God wants you to be successful in your marriage, with your health, in your parenting? Success is a Bible word. Blessed is a Bible word. 
but it's not the same as happy. It, it, it overlaps, it's the close cousin, but it goes much deeper than that. All right, so we launched this series last week called The Joy Factor with two of the things that Jesus taught. So the setting is, Jesus has just begun his public ministry. He's handpicked the dirty dozen. They're going around doing like a road trip, uh, a, 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 like a breakout tour, announcing their presence to the, to the area of Galilee. And Jesus is just zapping and tapping everyone who's sick. Boom, be healed, be healed. Be, which by the way, is a great way to get people's attention. And that's what started to happen. Word got around, people started coming from beyond Galilee, bringing people who were sick and needed healing. Jesus is becoming early stages of becoming this kind of modern day rock star perspective. Crowd control issues start to creep up. So he just kind of sneaks and scooches up this little hillside to get a little bit away from the crowd. Most of them followed him. And he's like, I started to teach them. And he taught what we've labeled the Sermon on the Mount, which was his first, longest, and dare I say, best known uh, sermon, message, collection of teachings which he started with. So his very, very first ever public teaching was what we came to be known as the Beatitudes. I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, if you talk about starting with the most important stuff, Jesus is like, hmm, quite sure. Like, get the dartboard out. No, no, this was very intentional. So last week we dropped two of what he taught. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Which by the way, again, look at that. If you're in the crowd listening to that and that's all you've heard so far, you're like, this guy's a nutter. This guy, this is completely upside down, back to front, makes no sense. Then you're blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. Has this guy been smoking something that we need, we need to make illegal? Like what, what are you talking about? We just started following you and you're, no, this is... And then, of course, he unpacked that with a truth. But one of the things that that the Beatitudes highlights is that you and I can experience joy in our lives even when we have complications, even when things aren't perfect, challenges, struggles, opposition, even when those things are present in our life, we can still experience joy, blessing, and happiness. So if you missed that last week, go and listen to our podcast, Search Elevate Church Perth, and you'll find it. Today, let's pick it up. Matthew chapter five, this is where it's found. uh, The Sermon on the Mount, starting with this slice of the nine be happy attitudes. This one, Okay, you can, you can put your shocked face away for a second because this one at face value, it actually makes a little more sense. It's still a little bit of a, mm, but it makes a bit more sense than those other two ridiculous things that Jesus said. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Oh, okay. Let's unpack how that kind of plays out in real life. Let me me share a story I heard during the week. Now, you need to pay attention to this story, like really, okay? Heard this during the week. So there's this dad of three kids, kids age nine, seven, and four. The three kids are in the living room playing together and they're playing nicely together. They're all getting along. 
And while they're playing, the living room is neat and tidy and remains neat and tidy. Around 7.30 p.m., the four-year-old boy comes up to dad and says, Dad, I'm really tired. Can I please go to bed? And dad says, no, Junior. Uh, I need you to play for a little bit longer. Oh, okay. So Junior waddles back to his siblings and starts playing some more. About half hour later, close to eight o'clock, comes back, Dad, I'm really tired. Can I please go to bed? And Dad says, all right, uh, before you do, just you need to go change into your pyjamas. You need to brush your teeth. And then you need to come back out. We're going to say our prayers. And, and then you can go to bed. Okay. So off they go. Two siblings join them. All three of them come back, pyjamas on. Did you brush your teeth? Yeah, we brushed the teeth. Said their prayers and off they went, put themselves to bed, tucked themselves in, went straight to sleep. And I and I'm led to believe this is pretty much how things go every single night in this household. How many of you think that's a fiction story? <laughs> All the parents are like, of course it's a fiction story. Well, uh, no, it's actually a true story. And I get it. I mean, some of you want this to be a fiction story because you're thinking to yourself, 7.30, the kid's negotiating with me to go to bed. I have to summon the skills of Denzel Washington, the hostage negotiator, 7.30 every night to get my kids to go to bed. The teeth brushing unsupervised thing, you know this, they come back, do you brush your teeth? Yes, and you, you go and check the moisture content levels and smell the mintiness. No! And, and, and look, you hear a story like that, it's a true story. Uh, and you might immediately think, like, what's your response? You might immediately think, man, I want to trade for those kids. It's like, yeah, I, I understand why that might be tempting. Uh, but it, some people I, I, I'm aware might think, oh, gosh, I'm a terrible parent. Like, that's never happened to us. These, this family, by the way, I think they're a bunch of freaks, uh, but God bless them ne nevertheless. Um, but when we hear stories and see images and, and hear these kind of grandiose claims that are like, seem too good to be true, we might celebrate them, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes our, our default is to compare our, our own stuff to them and grade ourselves lower. And if that's the case, this is a little truth bomb and I've taught this before. Please understand, comparison is the thief of joy. See, comparing ourselves to other people, particularly other people's highlight reels, will lead to discontent. Whereas this very slice that Jesus is teaching is, is that contentment matters. Contentment is a pathway to you and I experiencing joy. Now, when I've taught this before, I understand it does raise the question, does this mean I shouldn't want more? Like if Jesus' best is for me to be content, does this mean I shouldn't want more? Shouldn't want more love in my marriage? Shouldn't want more purpose and opportunities for my kiddos? Shouldn't want more thriving and flourishing in my health? Uh, shouldn't want more opportunities in my career and my business? And here's the important qualifier. Contentment and settling are not the same thing. So we can be enormously grateful for everything that God has done 
for us, in us, and through us at every single point in our lives. That's contentment, gratitude, wow, gosh. And God, if you could have done all of that, I'm not gonna put a limit on how much more you can do. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cap your possibilities in my life. And so I'm never gonna be whingy. I'm never gonna throw my toys out of the cot. I'm never gonna be like, oh God, oh God, you don't love me, you don't like me. I'm gonna be grateful, I'm gonna be content. I'm gonna look around and say, wow, God, you're incredible, you're phenomenal. And, and you know what? The same God, God, can you, can you fix this, grow this, shape this, launch this, develop this, expand this? Contentment and settling and not the same people. In fact, here's, here's the thing. Uh, I love a little bit of doom scrolling on Instagram. I really do. Uh, by the way, don't just like, you know, spend seven days a week doing it. But I like a bit of that. Andrew and I, we've, we've, we've got some um, lawn issues, uh, respectively, very strangely similar lawn um, challenges. Uh, we're both in the, what we call rehab phase of our lawn uh, carer journey. On Instagram, there is, there is a group of people called Lawnfluencers. You think I'm gaslighting you, right? It's a true story. You just type the hashtag in and they'll be like, these lawns will pull up and you'll be like, this is surely Photoshopped. Now I, I go in and start poking around the Lawnfluencers. The Pelican's on some cockamamie Facebook group where everyone's got lawn porn going berserk and photos and this and that. But we don't go on there to expose ourselves to the shame of how pathetic our lawns are. We go on there to learn and be inspired and see what's possible. So there is actually a healthy uh, approach to comparison. It's about being inspired. It's about learning from people who are ahead of you in whatever area of your life. Absolutely, but, but don't let that comparison deflate your joy. I suck, my lawn sucks. All right, here's another one that, let's go back to making no sense. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. I mean, you read that and think, hang on, this must be a typo in every single Bible ever produced. Because we don't equate the word persecution with being blessed. I mean, you start feeling persecuted like, oh, God, stop blessing me. Well, I hate you back. And this is Jesus' truth bomb. He backs onto that. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. So I wonder if you've ever prayed to experience more of God's kingdom in your life and then you've sat back and waited for the power to arrive, the signs, the wonders, the check in the mail. As if equating those things as the only demonstration and pathway to being blessed. I, I, I wonder if you've ever allowed yourself to say, God, I want more of your kingdom in my life. Bring on some persecution, please. Or when it's happened, you've thought, awesome, God is starting to really, really bless me. Right? Again, I, I said up front, this on the surface makes no sense until you read the second bit. The persecution 
hopefully, I think if I was like, you know, a bit more realistic than Jesus, hopefully drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Now, I've met some Christians over the years that have said to me, oh, I say, how's it going? It's a good Aussie question to ask. How's it going? Ah, gotta tell you, I'm being persecuted. And I'm like, no, you're not. I know what you did last week. That was stupid. This isn't persecution. In English, we call this consequences. Well, that's not very Christian. All right, I I need to be somewhere else. Um, But Jesus, he's actually flagging it for us that if you're a legitimate, all in follower of Jesus, then with some people and on some occasions, we can expect to take some heat. Because hopefully our values around money, time, relationships, fidelity, words we choose to use and not use, who we choose to spend time with and not, who we choose to invest in and not, who we choose to allow to influence us and not. Hopefully our lives and our perspectives and our commitments reflect kingdom values, which don't always line up in a perfect overlap with current culture values. And when they don't, some people in our world might look at us and think, well, they're a weirdo, sure. But some people might even act on that and start pushing back on us and giving us some heat. And Jesus says, yeah, great, that's fine. That's okay. In fact, not only it's okay, you can use that as a lever to drive you deeper into my kingdom. And then he kind of throws out a twofer. So this is the one, and then he throws out another one straight in the back of that. Not only that, uh count yourselves blessed every time, sorry, every time people put you down or throw you out. (sighs) They hadn't even signed up to follow him at this stage, right? I mean, you're talking about like, let's just go full disclosure on the contract before you, uh, uh, because I'm like, uh, this doesn't sound like fun to me. Not everyone that Jesus asked to follow him actually followed him. I can see why. Some of this sounds tough. Put you down, throw you out, or speak lies about you to discredit me. Okay, keep this in perspective. It's 2022. Jesus was dropping this around AD 30-ish. So 2000-ish years later, even... I'm gonna just like, even those of us here today in our air-conditioned, safe, free-to-worship box, even on your worst day, if if you're feeling persecuted, I'm pretty, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's highly unlikely that that is the worst any Jesus follower in, in life has ever experienced that, that even compared to some countries today, persecution that some Jesus followers, followers are experiencing. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter, but it's just important to, to keep a perspective. In fact, around the year 200 AD, there was a, uh, a theologian named Tertullian. Now he was living in a place called Carthage in Northern Africa. He was a prolific writer. In fact, he's often referred to as the father of Western theology. He just got it down in paper, this perspective and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. Well, 
the Roman Empire was the king of the castle at that time, including in the area of Northern Africa that he was living in. And the Roman Empire saw Christians as a threat. And so they did what the Roman Empire liked to do. They went around killing them, killing the threat, squashing the, 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 the opposition. And Tertullian actually wrote them an open letter. And he said, can you, can you please stop killing Christians? Please stop killing Christians. You've got this all wrong. We're not a threat to you. In fact, he wrote in this letter, we actually pray for you. And then he said, but if you must, <laughs> knowing the Romans didn't do everything people asked of them, like, you know, don't kill Jesus. Uh, but if you must continue, This is the deal. Christians do not engage in the foolish worship of empires for they do better, they pray for them and Christians can afford to be put to torture and to death and the more they're cast down, the more they grow. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. For every one you put down, a thousand will rise up. And here we are in 2022 as a church leader I don't think this sort of stuff that, yes, it still happens in parts of the world. I'm aware of that. It's happening today in some parts of the world. I'm aware of that. But for most of us, I don't think this is the biggest threat to the church, to its thriving and growth and taking more ground for God's kingdom. I think the biggest threat today is for the church to grow fat and comfortable for us to look like the human characters in the film Wally, listening to preaching while floating around on chairs that require no actual human propulsion, drinking a big gulp. <laughs> yep, coffee's pretty good today. Mm. Oh, how was church? Yep, coffee was good. Mm, yeah, preaching, mm, that's okay. Uh, yeah. I'm talking metaphorically, but this is the thing, is that the, the, the moment that we move from battleship mode to cruise ship mode is the beginning of the end for the growth of the church. The, the moment, well, I, well I, I don't like to sacrifice. I'm all about the comfort and the convenience. Yeah, well, we have a savior that demonstrated something more than living our days with comfort and convenience. And I'm not telling that to guilt and shame. I'm, that's the reality. That's literally the reality. There's gonna be things and times and circumstances that call us to roll our sleeves up and, and start fighting. And if we don't, if we settle for fat and comfortable, here's the thing, and this is Jesus' point, we can actually stop relying on God. I mean, literally. Someone asked me a month ago, it's the first time I met them, so I didn't answer them, but they asked me, so, when's the last time you relied on God? Like, and I'm like, that's a really good question. I don't know you, so I'm not gonna answer it. Right? You, know, you don't get full disclosure with a complete stranger. Come on, I'm not a flipping sociopath. Um, I think they might have been. But, uh, but it's a good question, right? And if someone was to ask you point blank, when was the last time you absolutely had to rely on God? You know, one of those things where if God, if I, if God doesn't come through for me, for us, in this moment, then I don't know what's gonna happen next. I don't know, literally. That is, so I was, 
I'm not, I was challenged by the question. I was affronted by the social dynamic, but I was, I was challenged by the question. And that's an incredibly challenging question that we can be asking ourselves in all aspects of our lives. Are we just kind of going through the motions, prioritizing comfort and convenience, or are we continuing battleship mode and doing what it takes to see God's kingdom expand? All right, final bit on this. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down, throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. In fact, you'll be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And here's, here it is. All of heaven applauds. Who doesn't want to live for the applause of heaven? And all heaven applauds and know that you're in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always, <laughs> I love it. This speaks to me. This speaks to my entire school experience. Always gotten into this kind of trouble. We really hope you've got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.